your hosts have earned a reputation as fierce and effective advocates inside and outside of the courtroom. Both partners are experienced trial attorneys who have been board certified in family law by the Texas Board of Legal Specialization. Well, today we're going to discuss private trials, private judges, and arbitrations, which are various ways that you can get out of the normal legal system. That provides some advantages and disadvantages. It depends on your particular case. Jake, do you want to kind of go through what each one of those is broadly, and then we'll kind of drill down into the individual ones? Yeah. So, you know, your divorce is filed or even a child custody case is filed. You know, you're going down to the courthouse and, you know, if you're in Harris County, you're going down to the Harris County courthouse. You're going to be in front of a Harris County district judge, Travis County, same deal, Travis County courthouse, Dallas County, Bear County. You know, a divorce gets filed typically in district court. Some counties, some of the smaller counties, they'll be filed in county court. But you're going to be going in front of an elected judge at the county courthouse. There is a mechanism in both the Family Code and the Civil Practice and Remedies Code to essentially remove a case from the public courthouse and go to a more private setting. And the most common way that you see that is either through an arbitration or through a private judge. Civil Practice Remedies Code actually calls it trial by special judge. Broadly speaking, we can talk about the more details in a second. If you, you know, if you go to, the case will get referred to either arbitration or a special judge by a district judge. The parties would have to agree to it unless for whatever reason there's a contractual reason why they have to go to arbitration. For example, if there's a postmarital or premarital agreement. Some of those have arbitration clauses where they have to be referred to arbitration. But otherwise, you know, cases is, is going to go forward in district court unless the parties agree to both both sides agree to remove it. So if you agree to go to arbitration, the district court will sign an order referring it to, to arbitration. You go to decide to do a special judge or private judge, same deal. There's a court order that gets signed referring it out. Arbitration is going to be conducted by an individual who essentially takes the place of the judge and he or she is going to preside over the dispute. And there's rules and you can actually contract for the old, the types of rules that you want to do, or you can just follow kind of form rules on it. But the arbitrator will have everybody sign an arbitration agreement. And essentially what the parties are agreeing is that we are going to take our dispute, be it a property dispute or a child custody dispute or a dispute about a postmarital agreement. And we're going to let you, Mr. or Ms. Arbitrator, decide the dispute. That decision is going to be final. And we're going to do that in a private setting, not the courthouse. And that's how we're going to resolve our dispute. As far as, you know, special judge, it's similar. Differences as a special judge, you'd be getting referred to have that special judge decide. This needs to be a retired judge, somebody that served on the bench. So it can't just be like a family lawyer like me or Brian doing it. Like I could serve as an arbitrator. Brian could serve as an arbitrator, but I couldn't serve as a special judge because I've never been a judge. So it's a retired judge that can take it. It conducts itself. We'll talk about how it's conducted in just a second, but it conducts itself like an arbitration where it's private and it's conducted outside the courthouse, usually in somebody's conference room. There's even places that have private courtrooms that you can do. And then that private judge, that special judge, issues a, a decision on that. The difference is a special judge can actually do everything and actually acts everything that like a district judge does, but he or she can't hold somebody in contempt. That would have to go to the district court. An arbitrator the same. They can act just like a judge. Obviously, they can't hold somebody in contempt of court. The difference between arbitration and a special judge, a special judge ruling, you're going to be able to appeal that just like 
you could appeal uh, district judges or county court judges and elected judges ruling. You appeal it you know, up the chain of command, just like as if a district judge or a county judge did it. Arbitration has much more limited means, we can talk about it in a second, but much more limited appellate remedies if you don't like what the arbitrator did. But globally speaking, it's a way to sort of pull your dispute out of the public sphere, out of the courthouse, and send it to a private setting if everybody agrees that we're going to use this particular individual to resolve our disputes, an individual that we pick and agree on. Clearly, uh, there's some advantages to that, right? I mean, privacy is the first word that comes to mind or first first concept. You and I have represented some pretty prominent people or their spouses, and that certainly makes sense for them. But I think it even makes sense for people that are just you know normal folks. I mean, a courthouse is an open proceeding. There is somebody can come down there and watch what's going on if you're in a trial or hearing or on YouTube these days, <laughs> strangely. And a lot of the documents that are filed in a case that might be sensitive are open to the public. So it sounds like privacy is a good reason. Now you're talking about having to pay this arbitrator or private judge, where with your elected judge, you after you pay a small nominal filing fee and a, you know, if you want a jury, a small fee for that, there's really not much out of pocket to the judge where, of course, you have to pay lawyers either way. But so there's an additional cost, at least on the surface to that. Do you find that arbitration or private judging is actually more or less expensive in total in a typical situation? Yeah, I think, you know, I used to tell people in total, I think it's, it's less expensive. I mean, what the private judge, the arbitrator is going to charge his or her fee. And, you know, people see that as like, well, now I'm paying, paying my lawyer, my spouse is paying his or her lawyer. Now we're paying this other person to resolve this dispute that when I could just go down to the public courthouse and, you know, the taxpayers are paying for that judge to do it or for that jury to show up and decide the dispute. What people need to realize, and the lawyers need to have this conversation with their client, is there's just an added expense of dealing with things through the court system. I mean, our courts, just frankly, are very busy. There's a lot of cases, and it's not just the larger counties that are busy. Every single courthouse is busy. The smaller rural counties, you know, you, you'll have you'll be in front of a judge, and he or she will have a both a criminal and civil docket. So the problem with that is, sort of think about logistically, if you have a hearing, let's say you have a trial, right? And you're going down there, it's going to be a day-long trial. Well, you're going to have to deal with all the other cases that are on there. You could be sitting around. The most frustrating thing for our clients is you're sitting around waiting to get reached and the judge has other matters to attend to that she's got on her docket so, uh, before she can get to your case. And so you're sitting there, the lawyers are there, you're paying your lawyers, it's your time sitting around and you can spend thousands of dollars just sitting there waiting to get heard. And there's also just an inherent cost of you know how long litigation can take through the public sphere. I mean, again, busy courts, busy dockets. I mean, it's not unusual for a case to take six months, eight months to be set that far out as far as a final trial, just because, you know, you want to be top on the judge's docket. The court, that may be the only days that they have that are available. And particularly if I have a multi-day trial, it could be a really long time before you can get, depending on your court, it could be a really long time before you can get heard. And then you always run the risk that, you know, I've had several times where you're all geared up for final trial. And, you know, you show up at the courthouse, you wait around all morning, and then you get the call from the court minister that says, oh, I'm so sorry. You know, you judge can't hear you today. Y'all going to need to reset see you in four months or something like that. That's an expense. If, if you have an arbitrator or a private judge 
you're more in control of your schedule. You will be that individual's case for that day. And so you don't have to worry about, I mean, obviously people can get sick or uh, something can come up, but you're really going to actually able to control your own schedule. And that's an economic relief. And it's also just emotional relief knowing I'm going to get done today as opposed to I'm going to show up at the courthouse and maybe we'll go, maybe we won't go. I don't know. What's your experience been on that, Brian? Yeah, nothing but positive. I agree with you. I mean, discovery is something that you know, that it comes really to mind, you know, we have these disputes all the time about, you know, the husband won't give the wife the, you know, the 401k statements, the wife won't, you know, give the husband the her cell phone records, and you, know, you have to file, you know, demand it, send out discovery, set a hearing, you know, like you said, all this stuff, I mean, talking about thousands of dollars to go get some bank records, where I could get on the phone with the arbitrator or private judge and get the other lawyer on there too, and probably just have a five minute conversation like, you know, we want the bank records. And well, okay, but we don't want to give you 10 years worth. We don't, you know, the we only have seven years worth. Yeah. Okay. Give us the seven years. If we need the other three years for some reason, you know, we'll figure it out later. That's quick and easy way to get that done, probably. And, you know, the arbitrator, the private judge would probably say, you know, like, right, you know, Walters has got the right to seven years. He probably got the right to 10 years, but give him the seven and let's see where we stand. And the issue is resolved in a five or seven minute call versus a thousands of dollars of this legal legal posturing that's kind of set up for, you know, Exxon versus General Motors type litigation. And here we are, just two people that need financial documents. So to me, it's, it's a much better situation in most cases. We already talked about the downside of that you are paying the arbitrator or private judge where you wouldn't be paying the district judge. Um, are there any other downsides you can think of to this? Yeah, I mean, you're waiving your right to a jury. And most issues, there's going to, not most, that's not the right way of saying it, but there's going to, most divorce are going to have jury issues in it. I mean, jury's going to determine the value of property, the character of property. They'll determine reimbursement values, determine you know various breach of fiduciary duty or constructive fraud, torts. They can determine fault, kid stuff. They can determine geographic restriction, who has the right to determine the primary residence, sole versus joint. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that a jury can decide in a divorce. And if you're going to a private judge or an arbitrator, then you are waiving your right to a jury. The special judge statute actually requires that the court order specifically waives the right to a jury in in doing so. So you have to make that informed decision as a client. By doing this, then I'm pulling this away, not only from an elected judge, but an option that I have for a jury trial. And then you could find yourself getting unfavorable rulings on your case. And, you know, if I was in district court and I'm in front of the same judge and I've rulings that I disagree with multiple times on temporary orders or, you know, various interim orders or compels and stuff like that. You start having the conversation with your client of, you know, we may want to make a jury demand on this case. Uh, it's just a strategic point that you have to cross in a case. And so if you're going to a private judge or an arbitration, you have to make that strategic decision that I'm not going to a jury. Now, some things that I do do, by the way, as I think as you know, as a special judge, it's I've never seen it done, but you really could contract for and saying we're going to hire a special judge and we are going to hire a special jury, and that special judge is going to preside over the special jury. Now you really are talking about an expense, but that can be done. I've never seen it done, but that can be done in the special judge the special judge statute. So probably have to contract around saying we're we're going to ask the special judge we're view the jury verdicts as binding all this stuff. But that's just more of an interesting side note. The other thing, though, is, you know, that people need to understand, and this goes into sort of picking your arbitrator or picking your your special judge, you know, this is your person, right? This is, you're not going to get a, you're not going to make a jury demand and and be able to get, get rid of this person presiding over some of the most important issues in your case. This is what you've got. And so what I do, the way I fix that, 
couple things. One, I usually like to have several names for the arbitrator that get floated around or the special judge. It sometimes even makes sense to pick it at random out of the agreed names because, you know, if you everybody agrees on Judge so-and-so as your special judge, then you start losing every single case in front of Judge so-and-so. Why'd you pick Judge so-and-so to, to be my special judge? So sometimes I like to have a sort of a more random randomness to it. But the other thing that sometimes I'll do is, you know, in both arbitration and special judging, I sort of get around that problem by putting the court order that we're going to spend all pre-trial at, with the arbitrator or the special judge. So like you were talking about, Brian, your motions to compel, temporary orders, anything that sort of comes up while the case is pending. But 30 days out or 35 days out from trial, both sides have a right to make a jury demand and bust out of uh, the special judge of the arbitration. But, you know, that's kind of a half measure of going about it. If you're not ready to make that decision yet, then I want to waive my right to a jury. That's one way to sort of address that downside. But it's something that has to be discussed with the client whenever making that decision about going to arbitration or arbitration or, or special judging. Yeah. And I think you brought up a really good point, which is timing. And there's two parts of it, in my view. One is that you don't want to be in one of these situations where, well, whatever we propose, our side of things, the other side's going to say no, just on principle, right? So if you think being in front of an arbitrator special judge is a good idea, you might want to try to plant the seed in the other attorney's head or something and get them to propose it, think it's their idea. As silly as that sounds, this can be very, very petty family law litigation. And so I've seen that happen. And secondly, I've almost always in these cases uh, had opted into private judging or arbitration sort of midway through the case. They rarely go that way to begin with, because I think somebody has an idea that this is going to be great in the courtroom. And it generally takes both sides being somewhat disillusioned and worn down by this litigation process to say, you know, hey, this is not so great. Maybe we got to look at some other options. And so that's typically where I see the cases going into it kind of at the midpoint, even closer to the end when they're looking at a trial six months out with a judge that you know, maybe is relatively new to, to the courtroom or whatever, or, you know, that neither side is particularly like their rulings. And that's usually when people opt into it rather than right up front. Has that been your experience? Although I'm sure you can, there's some, anything can happen, but that's been my general experience. Yeah, no, I think that's right. Both sides need to make an informed decision. They both need to be motivated to do it. Because, you know, if I call up my clients and say, well, the other side is proposing arbitration right off the bat, then well, well, why? Why are they doing that? What strategic advantage do they think they have when it really could just be, this This makes sense for y'all. I mean, the other thing on timing too, it's like, it is hard to get, in some of the larger counties, it's hard to get a multi-day trial. And if you have a, and, you know, it's hard with attorney schedules too. Like you may have, Brian, you may be available on, you know, Monday of a week, but not Tuesday because you have depositions, but you're available Thursday, Friday. You know, if you're in district court, so for example, Travis County, if you roll in on there Monday and say, hey, I'm ready for my three-day trial, but judge, we need a break on Tuesday because I'm in mediation tomorrow. They're, you're going to get reset. They're not going to do that, except for in the rarest of circumstances. So, But with a private judge, you can be a lot more flexible with attorney calendars and start one day, go the afternoon of another day, something like that. And it's also, a lot of our cases are complex. They have complex property issues or, you know, complex child custody issues. And our district judges, I mean, all the district judges that I practice in front of, I mean, county judge, county court judges really try hard to get the answer right. But they've got a lot of cases. And sometimes it's, some counties don't have specialized family law judges. 
Some of them have, you know, the judge is seeing they're presiding over contract disputes, oil and gas litigation, construction litigation, and family law. So they're not specialized in family law. That's not a fault of theirs. It's just just not. And then, like I said, the more rural counties, they're presiding over probate, criminal, civil, everything. Family law, divorces, everything uh, they're presiding over. So if you have a complex issue, you know, particularly a property issue, it may make more sense to go to an arbitrator because uh, it's, you know, it's hard being a district judge or a county court judge really digging into a case when you've got the horde of cases behind you when it goes. So it's just something else to consider as far as the level of complexity. But back to the point, though, like you were saying, Brian, it takes both sides acknowledging that we are both equally getting screwed by this docket system of we can't get divorced, right? I just, some of my clients, I just need an answer, right? Is this my separate property or is not? What's the value of this business? Somebody just needs to tell us. And it's frustrating to, to wait, you know, six months to a year when we just need an answer to this dispute. And so that's when both sides should be looking at arbitration or private judging. Yeah, I agree. And uh, I think it's a good option for a lot of folks, especially if, like you said, they've got some complex issues and if the court system isn't, isn't ideal for them. I think there's a lot of pluses to it. So I wish we could do it more often. It's just something that I think um, a lot of other lawyers on the other side are often very risk averse. Being a lawyer, you're kind of, that's sort of something that's ingrained in you if you don't actively try to fight against it. And, you know, just anything that they might get criticized for later because things didn't go exactly as they wanted to is uh, part of the process, I think, that makes people say no or be hesitant about it. So hopefully that'll change as people have good experiences. Yeah. I mean, the easiest thing as a lawyer to do is just kind of put your head in the sand and go, well, let's just go try it. Right. And let's just go see what this judge says. And then, you know, win, lose or draw can just say, well, the judge did that. You didn't have to, you know, zig or zag in your litigation based on any advice that I gave you. We just plowed straight forward. And then, you know, what happens, happens. And that is, you know, that's an easy way to practice law, right? Because you, you're kind of blameless as the lawyer because nobody can sit there and go, well, why'd you pick so-and-so as an arbitrator? She ruled against me on everything. And you told me that she was good. You told me you had a good experience with her. And so it is, you know, the more risk-averse lawyers are the ones that I think are don't want to do the hard work, I guess is the way of doing it, of giving advice to clients and let them make the decision. Is just to, to not have this conversation with the clients. But you really should have that conversation. When I have the conversation with my clients, I tell them, it's like, I have a good experience with arbitrator so-and-so, or I have a good experience with special judge so-and-so, but I can't guarantee you what she's going to do or what he's going to do. And so, you know, you got to take that into consideration. But here's the information I have with all my experience or with Brian's experience, or, you know, we've got nearly 30 lawyers in our law firm currently where we'll have those discussions. You know, who here has an experience with this arbitrator? You know, and we're constantly talking with each other about information that we're gleaning. I mean, we if we have an associate that has an arbitration and he or she thinks that the arbitrator did a poor job, we're going to hear about it. They think that they did a good job, we're going to hear about that. So we're taking all that information that Brian and I have, that our associates have, that our of counsel Jim Piper has, and we're taking that information and giving it to the client and then having that informed discussion with them. But like you're saying, Brian, a lot of lawyers don't even have that discussion. It's just one more strategic decision that needs to be made in the divorce. and The clients have a right to, to hear about it. Yes, I agree. So, all right, well, that's certainly an option. Something that, you know, like I said, I wish people used more often and we could get the other side to agree to more often and get folks on down the road and more effectively, efficiently. And, um, and I think generally with a better outcome than they might get in a courtroom. So hopefully it'll, it'll continue to grow and we'll go from there. So, all right, well, thank you everybody. Thank you all. And we'll go on to the next one. For information about the topics covered in today's episode and more, you can visit our website at waltersgilbreath.com. 
Thanks for tuning in to today's episode of For Better, Worse, or Divorce, where we post new episodes every first and third Wednesday. Do you have a topic you want discussed or a question for our hosts? Email us at podcast at waltersgilbreth.com. Thanks for listening. Until next time.